Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. We're glad to have our audience from around the world. We have the War Room Posse, the Denver Joe Altman Conservative Daily Group, and Caravan to Midnight with about 8 million radio listeners. So we're very thankful for everyone listening to the show. We're brought to you by the Georgia Record or georgiarecord.com. Please put us in your scan. Check us every day. We need to grow the audience. Sign up for our newsletters. Sign up for our Rumble channel. CDM1, I think, is the channel specific name. Uh, we need to grow the video audience as well as the print and digital audience. So please help us get the message out around Georgia and around the country. This show is listened to literally around the world now. It's become pretty impactful and we need your support. So please sign up for our no ad subscriptions. We mention it every time you get access to all of our websites. The Montana Sentinel is coming on in a few weeks and we're very excited about that because Montana is not a very populated state, but they are coming after MAGA and trying to flip the state, uh, pushing all the trans stuff in the state capitol. You may have seen the riots they had there, uh, the, the, the insurrection they had at the Montana capitol a while back. So uh, please support us with our no ad subscription. Top right of Georgia record. Uh, subscribe for no ads. Welcome, Bill Quinn, our co-host. Thanks for joining me, Bill. Good evening, Todd. Pleasure to be here. So we uh, have a full show as always. We have, we're going to start with Mary Holland, who's the president of Children's Health Defense. She was involved in the Kennedy campaign for a bit, but we really wanted to talk about the new vaccines that are coming and hear from the horse's mouth as to what you should know about those, should you take them or not. So that's going to be really interesting. We have Hank Sullivan coming on, uh, is going to talk about some Georgia GOP issues. He put out a fantastic substack this week. Uh, and then we have, may have a surprise guest. Uh, we'll let you know if that happens. So with that, I'm going to run a quick ad from our sponsor, David Cross. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. So we always uh, like to hear from David. He's a great supporter of CDM and the Georgia Record. So please support him if you're looking for an asset manager. We, we need you to support our advertisers so they support us to keep going. So speaking of that, in our no ad subscriptions, I wanted to mention something. We had an issue last night. You know, we've been attacked pretty regularly and in a variety of ways over the last three years. Uh, actually started in late 2019 when we started pushing or reporting a lot of the Biden crime family issues in Ukraine on CDM. But last night we had somebody hack into our getter account and post some pretty racist, violent stuff on the account. Uh, we took it down quickly, but uh, the same day that Trump Jr. was, Don Jr. was uh, hacked also on his social media. So then we must have been in the rounds, I guess. So I guess maybe that's complimentary in, in one way or the other. But uh, we need your support. We have to hire security. We have to have good IT, which costs a lot. We have to have a lot of firewalls and ways to be basically continue to bring you the message because they are trying to set us down. So please support us with our no ad subscriptions. Uh, Bill, I'm going to go ahead and well, go ahead and run Mary Holland. She's the head of Children's Health Defense. Fascinating interview. She has a conference in Savannah at the uh, November 4th weekend. 
Uh, but the interview, I think you'll find fascinating. Here she is. We were lucky enough to have some time with Mary Holland, uh, who is the president of Children's Health Defense. Uh, Mary, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Todd. Pleasure to be here. Well, you are a long-term friend of CDM, and we really appreciate CHD's uh, support of, of our network. And uh, look, there's a lot going on. I was telling you before this, there's a fire hose of information. But one thing that stands out really uh, to people right now is the shots are back. So you're holding a conference in December or uh, November, which we'll talk about in a bit, but talk to us about the, the new round of shots, why people should be concerned. I'm just going to let you. Sure. Well, Todd, I think, I think we were sounding. So children's health defense, mm -hmm. um, its mission is to end the epidemics of chronic childhood disease. Mm -hmm. And we believe, and to stop that, to hold the, um, those who are accountable, responsible, responsible, accountable, and it put in place safeguards. And that was our mm -hmm. mission long before the COVID um, scenario. Um, but when <clears throat> it unfolded, we needed to get involved in the shots for the whole population and also in the issue of censorship, because the censorship about medical information around the shots was just so important. So yeah. we sounded the alarm well before these shots came on the market, which was December 2020. And we said there's inadequate testing. It typically, Todd, takes mm -hmm. 10 to 20 years to put a vaccine on the recommended childhood schedule. And they tried to do this within a matter of months. And mm -hmm. it was very clear before the shots came on the market that there would be problems with anaphylactic shock in particular because there are materials in the lipid nanoparticles that um, polyethylene glycol to which many people have allergies in the United States. It was mm -hmm. absolutely obvious before it went on the market. There was also serious concerns about what we typically see with vaccine injuries, Todd. We typically often see neurological harms like Guillain-Barre, people getting paralysis. We typically mm -hmm. see autoimmune disorders like rheumatoid arthritis, like lupus, like autoimmune encephalitis. And then we sometimes with vaccines see cardiac problems. But once these things came on the market, Todd, right away, right away, by January, February 2021, they knew that these were astronomically uh, injurious. Um, mm -hmm. And we now know from the clinical trial data from Pfizer that we got through, that ICANN, another sister mm -hmm. organization, got through Freedom of Information Act. And we started to see it anecdotally, right? So we started publishing Children's Health Defense. We have a daily free newsletter. We started publishing accounts of doctors who got it and who died immediately, or mm -hmm. people who would go into shock, or Bobby Kennedy, our founder, wrote a piece about Hank Aarons, the baseball star who mm -hmm. took who died 17 years days later. And, and Bobby Kennedy didn't say that it was caused by the shot, but he made the connection that this man had just been <clears throat> to encourage vaccination. Mm -hmm. So we've known, so Children's Health Defense and many other organizations, World Council for Health and other America, uh, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, we've all been calling now for years and litigating saying, stop these shots take them off the market. Mm -hmm. These are unlike Todd. These are not like other vaccines. And one of the many telltale signs that there's something very, very wrong here is literally 
the FDA had to redefine vaccines to call these products vaccines. These are not products that induce a response that protects you from infection or transmission. These are actually gene therapy products that have been reclassified as a vaccine. Why? Because once they're reclassified as a vaccine, they have extraordinary liability protection. The manufacturer mm -hmm. has protection, the healthcare providers have protection, and the government <clears throat> So these are not true vaccines. These are gene therapy products. What we have learned, Todd, I think definitively in the last three years is that this messenger RNA platform that they're now trying to use for everything, vaccines okay. for cancer, vaccines for you know obesity, vaccines for schizophrenia, everything. This mRNA technology, which caused, it's an instruction manual that gets sent to your cells for your cells to produce the mm. antibodies to the spike protein or whatever else it is. In essence, Todd, these are instruction packets to cause autoimmune conditions. Your own body attacks. Well, the spike protein is a toxin, right? So you, your body is a toxin, attacks and it. Your yeah. body then produces it and your body attacks it. So mm. there's always going, this is a very, very hazardous technology. It's mm -hmm. always going to have problems. That's the best medical research and analysis that I've <clears> read. <throat> this is a dangerous technology. So I, the most recent round, Todd, that the FDA just authorized for, um, for very young people, six months to age 11, and they approved it. So the, the, the FDA approved it for 12 and up. This is allegedly <laughs> a booster a new booster, which is targeting what they call the variant XBB15. Why this is crazy, Todd, is because th the whole concept of vaccinating into a pandemic is pretty crazy. Why? Yeah. Because you're, you're putting ecological pressure on this virus to mutate. So even now, Todd, this variant, they say XBB15, it's 3% of the infections. Likely mm -hmm. that's going to disappear, be extinct very soon. And there's going to be some new variant for which... <clears throat> has no impact. And what we've seen, and this is from Cleveland Clinic, Todd, this is mm -hmm. mainstream medicine, that the more of these shots you take, the more likely you are to get COVID. We yeah. also see really disastrous side effects from these shots. And we see cardiac issues. We see neurological issues. We see autoimmune issues. We see blood clotting. And it's really troubling. So I mentioned to you before we got on, I was just watching yesterday a speech that Dr. Peter McCullough, an eminent cardiologist and epidemiologist, <laughs> just gave in the European Parliament. And he points out that, it, well, he's calling for these shots to be taken off the market. He points out that likely COVID, we now know from Freedom of Information, did escape from a lab in Wuhan. We know this is the result of American-Chinese collaboration on frankly, what is bioweapons research. We yeah. call it gain of function, but it's bioweapons research. And we know from Freedom of Information Act that, that very high level people who are now associated with the US and World Health Organization planning, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, Dr. Farrar, they were all in on what was explicitly a cover up to hide the fact that this came from a lab. So we have, that's phase one or the first wave of this epidemic and people died from COVID. There's no question about that, especially early on when it was a very virulent strain. Right. But then people are dying from these shots. And as Dr. McCullough points out, and, and I believe more research needs to be done on this. 30% of people 
have no issues in getting these shots. Is, well, a lot of them were placebos, right? I mean, they, well, we they don't, think, yeah, we don't we know. Think. We, we don't know that definitively, Tom, yeah. but there's, Todd, but there's real questions about that, right? I mean, the, like, the possibility is they were the doing a big, a big clinical trial, right? I mean, we know that yeah. these, these products were rolled out even now. Primarily, mm. these are called emergency use authorization only. These are mm. EUA products. They are explicitly experimental. We have all been enlisted in a in a huge medical experiment, which we know mm. is prohibited by the Nuremberg right. uh, Declaration coming out of World War II, unless people have complete information and explicitly no informed consent. Don't give yeah. us the full information. So right. everybody has been unethically, in my opinion, unethically enrolled in a clinical trial. But thirty mm. percent of people seem to have no. Mm. All. 70% of people have kind of modest um, effects, but within that 70%, 4% of people are, have, you know, severe or deathly side effects and 7% have really severe ones. And this mm -hmm. is from like the V-safe data that the U.S. government, this is really important, Todd. The FDA created an app, an application on people's cell phones called V-safe. Mm -hmm. And people were connected who had cell phones to ask about their report, you know, about what happened to them after the shot. Well, they got 10 million people to sign up and 7.7% of those adverse effects were severe. That's yeah. an extraordinary rate. We've never seen that before. And what's even more shocking, Todd, is in June, the FDA, with this high level of injuries being reported, they closed down VC. <laughs> and put it on the childhood vaccination schedule. Uh, well, yes, yeah. they've, they've recommended it for yeah. the child. The CDC has recommended it for the childhood schedule, but they've stopped even taking in reports of adverse events in the best, most sort of immediate. We still have this vaccine adverse event reporting system, which yeah. is the terrible reporting. Archaic, yeah. Very archaic. And we, mm -hmm. we know that they're not really accurately, um, they're not putting up all the information. Well, even so, that data shows horrific. Even that, even yeah. that data, it, it's unprecedented. Mm -hmm. it, it shows that there's over a million reported injuries. We know that historically, Todd, that's about 1% of injuries. So... You know, the good news is the only good news, in my opinion, is that for the last boost for, for the last booster before this one that they've just rolled out, only 17 percent of people went to get it. Mm -hmm. Total in the U.S., it's about 75 percent of people took COVID shots. So we're down to 17 percent. I think that people aren't going to go get this. And now the government isn't paying for it anymore. It's not free. People have to get it you know, either covered by their insurance. Not every insurance covers it. Otherwise, you're charged a couple hundred dollars. I think the uptake is going to be very low. Mm -hmm. And I am incredibly grateful for that mm -hmm. because I really think these shots are, are unethical. I think we don't really know what they do. And I think they're obviously highly injurious. Well, I remember a conversation we had an interview we had, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, when they were starting to give it to children. And you said, unfortunately, kids are going to die. And that's the only thing that's going to wake up parents. And that's exactly what happened. And, 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 <clears throat> and children have died, Todd. Mm -hmm. A number of children have died. I just did um, a Twitter Spaces with Ernest Ramirez, who's on Twitter Spaces, yes. and you know his 16-year-old son, you know, in the flower of youth, a wonderful young man, you know, died. That's a horrific I, story. Yeah, it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Kids are dying, and and a slight success story, in my view, Todd, is because of advocacy from Children's Health Defense and so many other groups. Mm -hmm. It's not on a single public school schedule anywhere in the country. 
Um, that's a result of advocacy because mm -hmm. Dr. Fauci and Biden and the whole phalanx, Pfizer, they wanted this to be on the child. They wanted this to be compulsory in a number of states, certainly by 2021 or by 2022. And here we are approaching the end of 2023. And there's not a single state, not California. Connecticut really wants to do it. Though. Oh, I know. Not. <laughs> You know, Connecticut, Maine, you know, the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. um, these one-party states are very mm -hmm. dangerous. One-party mm -hmm. states are inherently dangerous. And these are the ones that have really been putting in place very draconian measures. But even that has not succeeded. And I don't know if you know, last week there was oral argument in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So arguably the most liberal circuit in the United States. And it was a case uh, brought by the Health Freedom Defense Fund, a sister organization, against um, the Los Angeles Unified School District because mm -hmm. they had tried to impose a mandate. And literally, these appeals court, federal appeals court judges were shocked that they were still attempting, that they were still arguing this case when we know these shots don't stop transmission and don't stop infection. On what basis, you know, because it's good for your health? Well, then, <laughs> you know, are you going to outlaw cigarettes? Are you going to outlaw alcohol? We've been down that road. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. So the good news is, is now that things have progressed for a couple of years, the courts are finally becoming a lot more skeptical about what has just gone on. An appeals court just told the FDA that was suppressing the use of ivermectin and mm -hmm. effect repurposed drug against COVID, the, the court just said, mm -hmm. hey, you're practicing medicine. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. So there are some good signs. Um, but Todd, it's still we're still in a very dangerous time. I mean, these shots are very dangerous. So yeah. the new one they're rolling out is for this new variant, but it hasn't been tested. People should know that, right? I mean, it's, it's the only question. So one of the most dangerous things that's happened in the last few years, I believe this was June 2022, FDA adopted a new framework which mm -hmm. allowed them to skip animal testing. Well, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, to skip human testing, only do animal testing. Mm -hmm. Literally, my understanding, mm -hmm. Todd, is that the clinical trial <laughs> for this new Pfizer booster was done on 20 mice. I mean, this is this is a sick joke. It's truly. Yeah joke the idea that you're going to attempt to to vaccinate millions of people around the country and the world with something that was tested on 20 mice i mean i i can't even begin to say how outrageous that is this is beyond it it, it it's not one has to wonder what is this what is what is really going on yeah this sure is beyond an experiment this is just um I, I, it's some other agenda there's, there's got to be some other agenda. You know, when you put all these things together that have happened in the last over three years, Todd, I personally cannot see this as just, you know, one error after another, one mistake after another. Given the scope of the death and injury we've seen, the fact that no government in the world has definitively said stop is remarkable. But some countries in Europe, such as Denmark, they're not recommending these shots for anybody under 50, right? So there are some countries that have put in place some guidance that says young people shouldn't get this, right? Mm -hmm. The rate for young men of getting myocarditis, a cardiac problem, cardiac arrest is very high. So some countries have pushed back some, but this should worldwide it be declared a disaster, yeah. an extraordinary man-made disaster. We should be investigating this for real and we should be stopping all these shots. Hopefully we'll get to that point. So talk to us about COVID. They're trying to bring this back, right? I mean, the masks, masks don't work, right? 
I mean, so the good news again, <laughs> the good news again mm -hmm. is that one of the phrases mm -hmm. I've learned in the last three years is courts follow culture, right? Mm -hmm. so, and 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 even even the media, as as bad as it's been, as terrible overall that mainstream media has been in the last three years, it's starting to follow culture. So. Mm -hmm. There was just a meta-analysis done by the Cochrane Collaboration, really uh, the, the sort of the star group in, in mainstream medicine for mm -hmm. meta-analyses, really looking at. So I think they looked at, I don't know how many mask studies, Todd, but they looked at all of the major mask studies, and they basically said there's zero evidence that these things work. Yeah. And this was even presented to Dr. Fauci in a clip I watched last week. And even he said, well, you know, maybe it doesn't show it on a population basis. I mean, there's no evidence these things work. It's clear that there have been efforts already to bring them back. It's, mm -hmm. it's a form of social control. It's a form mm -hmm. of monitoring compliance. But I'm very happy to say they imposed a mask mandate at a big health maintenance organization, Kaiser Permanente. Within a week, the mandate had been retracted. They imposed it at Lionsgate, a Hollywood production country, company, very much you know in the narrative. Within yeah. a week, they had to retract it. So I think, again, that people... Um, do have some common sense. And I think people know that they don't work. And if somebody wants to wear a mask, Todd, you know, more power to them. I yeah. don't care. It's fine. But to impose that on other people, I don't think that's going to work again. And I think that parents were awesome at school board meetings, pushing back of this is child abuse. You cannot do this to my two-year-old or my three-year-old. You know, Dr. Ryan Cole told us a story <clears throat> at an event we did and he was in an airport and there was a young woman next to him all masked up. And he looked at her and said, you know, I'm a doctor. I give you permission to take that off. And he kind of watched her and she slowly took it off. Yeah. So, I mean, we just have to tell people. Yeah, I agree. With you. I mean, I was with Dell Bigtree recently and he mm -hmm. said he was sitting next to somebody on an airplane and he explained that, you know, it doesn't really work. And and basically we are training our bodies and our immune systems all the time. And if you're not, even if it works, then you're at some point in the future going to be a lot more vulnerable. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and that person also sort of took off the mask. People yeah. don't want to wear masks, Todd. No, you know, it's horrible. There, there's a, there was a very good video. Especially I children. <laughs> it's awful. It's yeah. absolutely awful. There was a video I watched very early on in the pandemic. Um, I'm forgetting the name mm. of the video platform, but masks are historically used um, in cultures around the world for transitional periods, right? Mm. It's used to sort of say, we're not in the old world, we're not in the new world yet, we're in this kind of masked time, we're behind the veil, like mm -hmm. a wedding, you know, you're behind mm -hmm. the veil and then you, you, you take the veil off. Mm -hmm. So it is absolutely a kind of cultural indoctrination, mm -hmm. a visible piece of clothes. It's a ritualistic object that does serve a purpose, which is to say we're not in the old world anymore and we haven't entered the new world. And I think mm -hmm. that's really the underlying, they clearly don't work medically. Yeah. So that in my <clears throat> mind must be the underlying reason to, to, to forecast, to show to people, to illustrate we're in this transition to the new world, the brave new world of 2030, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So you having a conference, a conference, November 4th in Savannah, Georgia, this is the Georgia show. You can, people can go to the top of our site. There's a banner. You can click and go in and check out the conference. Talk, talk to us about that. What's your goal and, and who's going to Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I missed so much during the pandemic was just being together with people. It's such yeah. a 
thrill. It's so energizing to be with people with whom you share ideas and you share a mission, which is to stop this craziness and restore our constitution and our civil liberties. And so the conference is going to do that. So it's November 3rd to 5th in Savannah, Georgia. And we um, have an incredible lineup of speakers, um, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is a candidate for president right now. But we also have many different doctors. We have lawyers. We have advocates. We have people coming from all over the country who work in our chapters. And you can look at the lineup. You can look at the schedule. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, enlivening. We're going to learn a lot. Um, I'm going to be there and, you know, really looking forward to meeting people. And uh, it's one of the highlights is Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, who wrote the book called Dissolving Illusions, which is a very important historical look at all of the major vaccines, smallpox, polio, and so on. She has not um, spoken publicly in five years. Mm. She wrote on the Vax bus with Polly Tommy, who works with Children's Health Defense TV. Suzanne Humphreys will be lecturing, which is going to be, a, among others, a, a highlight. Um, but it's going to be a really fun event. It's um, and you're going to learn a lot and uh, it's going to be energizing. And I wish, Todd, that we could say, thank God the pandemic is over. The emergency is over. Um, you know, we can all sort of go back to sleep. Um, that's really not an option, Todd. Yeah, this, no, we have to protect because they're trying to do it again. They're, they're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And it, that was really just a kind of a, a that was a, a rehearsal. Mm -hmm. um, we are up against global organizations, corporations, governments, that um, entities uh, that really do want to create a one world government. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not inherently opposed to the notion of international cooperation. Far from it. I mm -hmm. studied international law. I've lived outside the United States for many years. I'm all for international collaboration, cooperation, but not at the expense of democracy. The best system or human freedom or human freedom, not yeah. at the expense of freedom and democracy and human rights. What we need is from the bottom up collaboration. Yes. Yes. But this one world thing that they're doing with One Health yeah. and using the World Health Organization as the fulcrum and identifying these sustainable development goals for 2030, what this really will do is essentially create a kind of one world tyrannical government in a fusion of corporate power with governments, but really the corporations are running the show and it will involve fascism. Yeah. Fascism. fascism. It's yeah. absolutely it's a it but it's sort of communist it's communo fascism. Yeah, it's a mixture. It's elements yeah. literally from both the Stalinist and Hitler regimes. It melds them together. Mm -hmm. It gives it a pretty face of altruism and sustainability and it, it gives it all this kind of one health and we're one with the plants and the animals. Um, but underneath it all is a 24-7 surveillance system, digital ID, compulsory coerced medicine, and it's wrong. All that we have to look at over the last three years is all the things that the World Health Organization got wrong, declaring the pandemic, mm -hmm. declaring that, you know, everything is fine in China, then sort of whitewashing, uh, doing a false investigation. Uh, telling people that they should be taking these shots that turned out to be deadly. They have been absolutely wrong at every step throughout the pandemic. There's real questions about the secretary general, you know, Dr. Tedros, who's not a medical doctor. Right. We do criminal. not 
want, we do not, he's a terrorist from yeah. Ethiopia. Yeah. We do not want the World Health Organization in charge of world government. And that is really the plan, Todd. So, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. McCullough and others and, and Children's Health Defense, we are saying we have to exit the WHO, for which sure. I, I think is very sad. It, it, there, there is a role for international collaboration and organizations where people exchange views and by true a collaboration mm-hmm. come to a, a joint endeavors but that's not this this is really being paid for overwhelmingly by major corporations pharmaceutical corporations by the telecom industry mm-hmm. um, by food industry big ag industries and this is not about our health this is about control and this is about looking ahead todd i mean we do know and i'm sure you cover it at cd media we are we are going to run out of fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. We are reaching some endpoints to the way that we've been living for many decades. And I think the powers that be, uh, you know, in Europe in particular, the pension funds are dry. Uh, th- th- we're not going to be able to carry on in the way that we have very soon. And I think that what the powers that be want to do is using artificial intelligence, using surveillance systems. They want to clamp everybody down literally on a worldwide basis so that when things really do hit the spiral out of control when things really are going to get rough and i think we can anticipate things are going to get rough in the next 10 years Mm -hmm. they will be able to control things and if there are dissidents they will literally be able to starve you because you won't be able to use your money you if you don't go get your shot and it's not updated on the digital id well we'll starve you to death we will we will make sure you have no money they want to have this control in an in anticipation of what our absolutely expected big shocks to the way that particularly the developed world has lived in the last 50 years or 75 years since World War II. Well, and when in reality, the flip side is what works, human, you know, innovation and and free markets will what will drive us out of that. A hundred percent. What will get us out of this is innovation. It's collaboration. Mm -hmm. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, we have these, these tools, the internet, Todd, we're on the internet now. These tools are so incredible, right? Email, the internet, the ability for us to have democratizing forces, to have innovation, to have collaboration on, you know, all over the world at the same time. It's amazing. You know, these video platforms that Mm -hmm. really didn't exist several years. Sure, sure. I mean, it's amazing what we can do on the upside. And yet it's, you know, tragic to see that a lot of these technologies are right now being used on the downside for censorship, for control, for surveillance, for uh, interventions, for, you know, getting under the skin, for profit motive above human health, human freedom, um, you know, human love, if you will. It's, yeah. you know, this has been a this has been an agenda of isolation and 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 separation and and fueling hatred over all kinds of different issues that, frankly, are ancillary. This yeah. is really about the ninety nine percent versus the one percent. I mean, or for the sure. one percent. One one great example of that I saw recently is that you know in Ukraine they've killed a half million people, slaughtered, and they're trying to make that into good thing. They're saying we're going to take these bodies. Right. Put them in the ground in green Ukraine, and it's such a good thing that's happening. <laughs> My God! You know, I, I was just thinking, <laughs> you know, the the, the address yesterday uh, at the yeah. UN by our, you know President Biden. You know, it, it's just a perpetual war vision. It really yeah. is a perpetual war vision, and yeah. it's tragic. You know, at, at the expense of, you know, hundreds of thousands of young, beautiful lives yeah. on both sides. Definitely. Or, or ruin forever. We, we you know, it, it, yeah. it, 
it's a tragedy what's happening in Ukraine. It's absolutely a tragedy and it needs to stop in my personal view. I agree. Thank you for your time, Mary. Really Thanks, appreciate Todd. it. I know you're busy. Take Thanks. care. Bye. Take care. Mary's always a wealth of knowledge. Um, I think you're on. Mute. What, what a great interview. She was, um, you know, these are troubling topics, but boy, you know, she ends up with bringing it around to uh, sort of a vision of hope and, you know, we, yeah. can, we can handle this. It's uh, it's fascinating. She's a, it takes everybody getting involved. Yeah, yeah. One of the best speakers on the topic I've heard. Yeah. I really enjoyed that interview. So go to georgiarecord.com at the top. You have the, the banner ad for the conference in Savannah on November 4th. It's going to be, uh, uh, really entertaining and uh, informative. So please go if you can. So speaking of health and Mary's talking about the crises that are coming, I want you to think about this audience. Uh, the grid goes down for a few months, something happens. You can't travel like you're used to. You can't get access to stores. How are you going to take care of your family if some kind of medical crisis comes? So the wellness company has this new kit. Uh, it's an emergency medical kit. It's full of different medicines that will save you uh, in, when the next virus or plague or bioweapon hits. That's uh, tick bites. It's uh, COVID. It's some type of uh, pathogen. These medicines will mostly take care of it. One of these kits will take care of one adult. So you may get more, want to get more than one, but go to TWC health forward slash, excuse me, twc.health forward slash CDM. And check it out. Use promo code CDM and you get a 10% discount. So uh, take care of your family and support free media at the same time. What a great combination. That's twc.health forward slash CDM. Use promo code CDM. Bill, uh, I mentioned a surprise guest. Uh, Chris Gleason is going to join us now. And uh, he's got a big reveal coming, but this isn't the big reveal, but it's a reveal on Miami Dade. So bring in Chris for us. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, it's Very busy good. always. So uh, you are a wealth of a fountain of election fraud information. <laughs> so tell <laughs> us your latest reveal this week in Miami Day. Yeah. So we have uh, we have somebody to thank. We have the uh, Florida Supervisors of Elections, Inc., the election fraud mafia. We have their president <laughs> to thank for this. So last week I spoke down in Sarasota County and apparently he didn't like what he had to hear um, when he heard, when he saw the video and a little, little bird told him uh, the things that I was saying and his jimmies got rustled. And so um, I was told that I, he was willing to meet with me, but um, you know, I had to keep an open mind and, you know, I might learn something new if I uh, go down and talk to him. And I said, oh, I'll talk to anybody about anything. So what ended up happening was uh, Graham Ledger from the Ledger Report, he had done a video on, on it and he had actually set up the whole talk down in Sarasota County. And he had pushed out this video and he called me. He's like, Chris, you, how sure are you on this? I'm like, Graham, I am as sure as there is sure. I'm like, however, however, um, you know, there's a real easy way to prove whether or not I'm right or not. And all they have to do is hand over the audit logs. And I started laughing and I'm like, but you know what, Graham, I'm going to, I'm going to check a couple of things. I've got some other data sources just to be sure. 
so I had done a, a public records request um, earlier in the summer, around June, July, for this particular report here in Florida called the DSDE-40 report. And that report is, uh, it's generated by all of the supervisors of elections and they are required under Florida uh, statute section 105.5951. And they're required to file this by December 15th with the, uh, with the Division of Elections. And when we got this report for Pinellas County, um, the information on this report proved what I had been alleging in Pinellas County on how there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of blank ballots. Okay. Now, what the folks in Sarasota were trying to say to me was, oh, you just don't understand. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't understand. And they're like, yeah, uh, a blank ballot is, you know, it's a blank page. I'm like, really? That's interesting. A blank page on, a, it, well, yeah, you know, it's a three page ballot. So two pages. I'm like, well, if that was the case, wouldn't you have triple of the number of ballots cast in the election? Um, um, <laughs> um, okay. So I went and I looked. And it pulled up the DSDE 40 that they submitted to me. But there was a curious thing about this form. It wasn't in its entirety. There was missing a page. And the page it was missing were the instructions page to fill out what the form was. Well, guess what is on that instruction page? The definition of what a blank ballot is. And a blank ballot is a ballot that has no votes on it. Boom. So as uh, as I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at that, I'm like, I'm going to push them on this one. So I replied to that earlier PRR and I asked them for the, the real underredacted one, the one that had all the data. And <laughs> and I said, well, if I'm going to do that for them, I'm going to do it for everybody. So I pushed one out to everybody and they started flowing in. And Miami flowed in, and I'm like, okay, they got this pretty, pretty quick. So I pulled up, pulled up the Miami form for 2020. And mysteriously, miraculously, right, there was no blank ballots listed on this form. So it's like, hmm. So they're altering these forms too. Well, wow. how about that? This is really interesting. Now, this particular form, by the way, it has another piece of key data, a key piece of key data that they didn't realize. And on this form, it has this awesome field called duplicated ballots. Do you know what a duplicated ballot is? Uh, it's when they basically duplicate it and send it to somebody else, or how does it work? Uh, so it is a damaged ballot. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, we've got numerous uh, responses on this. Oh, somebody spilled a coffee on it and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And basically what they do is just like they did in Arizona with the Runbeck software. They scan in the ballot and then somebody adjudicates that ballot 
determining the voters intent. So they do this and there's nobody watching. There's no, there's nothing there. Right. Hmm. And, and what they do with this ballot, once they adjudicate it, they print out a brand new ballot with, with the way it's been adjudicated, Hmm. but we have to trust them. We have to trust them that they did not do anything nefarious with it. Hmm. Then they take that new printed out ballot and then they cast it in the machines. Now, this software by Runbeck doesn't operate unless it's connected to the internet. Hmm. And by the way, in Florida and in Arizona and everybody everywhere else, for the most part, this software, this voting system component isn't certified for use in any of the elections. Yeah. So a triple whammy. So you think you're saying that the, because earlier you had evidence that there were blank ballots in Miami, right? So they were oh, still, yeah. I mean, we know yeah. that there's 68, I mean, because we did a breakdown, um, we had obtained the precinct level report data. And I believe there were some precincts in Miami where as many as 20 to 30% of all the ballots cast on the machines were adjudicated as blank or deemed blank. So then so, you you ordered this other report and there was zero blank ballots on it is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, no, that there wasn't. I mean, so they just omitted everything in that data field. So mm -hmm. what we're seeing is they're manipulating and altering election documents. Mm -hmm. Did you know that that's a crime? Yeah. 10 years for that one form unless unless the uh, well actually that's only going forward they passed the election fraud legalization act in florida so <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know uh, yeah. it's it's sounding like you might not be invited back for another discussion uh, with <laughs> to these learn guys. More. <laughs> chris well i was asked to not mention any of this uh, um you know, but oh, I'm, we'll keep you know, it quiet. Yeah. So nobody's listening. I'm, I'm all about <laughs> playing good cop, bad cop. So I told the guy who asked me that I'm like, I tell you what, you can play good cop. I'm going to play bad cop, but <laughs> the truth's coming out. I go, okay. because they have a choice to make, right? It's come to Jesus time. It's like, repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways. and Let's have our elections back. Right. I'm in. Well, they got to they got to quit modifying the you know the stuff they're showing you to try to keep hiding it. You know that's making things worse. Oh, you know well, the cover they, they don't realize they don't realize that you've done ORRs for the last two three years in every county and every report, and you have a massive database. Oh, there, <laughs> yeah. So it was funny. They that was that was one of the funny things, and they're telling me that I'm going to learn something new. And I was like, <laughs> really? I'm like, have you ever looked at any of these reports in any other counties? And the, and the girl was like, no. And I'm like, oh, have you ever read the operator's manuals for these systems? She's like, no. And I'm like, I think you're going to learn something. <laughs> Chris, thank you very uh, much. Gosh. It's always a pleasure. We'll have you back Sunday for a, another big one. That I oh, know can I get one on. plug? Can I get yeah, one plug? Yeah, okay. sure. Yeah. So um, that huge, massive database of all of the stuff that we've been compiling. We need some computing power and the Justice Society, I'm working with the Justice Society all across the United States to deal with this data, this massive data set. And we really need your help. We, we desperately need your help. We're trying to expand our computing power. 
So if you go to the justicesociety.com and click on the support us or support our projects page, we would really, really appreciate your help. And if you can't do it because of Bidenomics, you know, share it with somebody who you think might. Because yeah. all, you know, I mean, because if everybody just chips in a buck, you know, we'll get to where we need to be. Yeah, exactly. So that's the justicesociety.com. Thank you, Chris. Hey, thank you. We'll, have, we'll see you Sunday. I think you're right. coming back. Take Bye-bye. care. Sorry, hang on just a second, Chris. Okay, thank you. All right. So, um, you have a tape. Actually, let me, since we're flipping around here, I want to talk about familyfarmbeefbox.com. We've had Glade Miller-Smith on multiple times, and he is a cattleman in Nebraska. He does not use mRNA in his beef. And one of the most important things for uh, families to stay together is to eat together. And I'm telling you, I've had this experience. We've ordered multiple boxes from Glade, and it comes in uh, just, you know, beautiful styrofoam frozen box, tenderloins, ground beef, uh, chuck, roasts, um, ribs, all kind of different beef. And it's absolutely delicious. But the thing that is fantastic is your family, when they see this, they get excited, especially if you have kids and they see all the beef in the freezer and they start looking at all the packages and they're like, dad, can we have hamburgers tonight? Dad, can we have steak tonight? And I'm telling you, the family, it's a whole family process that gets involved here. And uh, even if you have grandkids, it's a great thing with them to talk about, you know, decide what kind of meat meat they're going to have. You can talk about where it comes from on the cow. You know, it doesn't have any bad stuff in it. And it's the taste is fantastic, and I will guarantee that. So familyfarmbeefbox.com, please support our sponsor. Get on your the schedule that he has or just order a sample box and check it out, and then I'm, I guarantee you'll, you'll order more. So thank you, Bill. So let's bring on Hank. All right. Well, let me, uh, let me just tee this up. So uh, yesterday, Hank Sullivan, who we've had on before and we've written – um, rather extensively about on the Georgia record, uh, released his latest Substack, And this one is the culmination of some of his own work, but also adding in a, a, a months of effort um, by Sarah Thompson and uh, Susan Oprasuth and others to assemble information that is confoundingly concerning. Um, and we'll talk about why. Um, when we get done with this, this is going to be an excerpt of something that uh, Hank and I did earlier today. And then we'll talk about how uh, we're going to show people a more complete view of Hank's findings in a special uh, version, a special edition of the Georgia show tomorrow night. So let's bring in Hank. Georgia Republican Party Inc. did not come into effect until 2014. So we know that all they did with these new rules, which were put into effect in 2020, before the election, they, they simply went through the Georgia Republican Party rules and they attached the, this term comma, I-N-C period, to any reference that has to do with the Georgia Republican Party, creating this idea that anyone who's abiding by these rules are abiding by corporate rules, not the party rules. 
And if you try to find any uh, semblance of Georgia Republican Party rules, I don't know if they're there. I don't even think they exist, but you know, they're probably stashed away in a vault somewhere. But it, anything that they're putting out publicly has to do with the Georgia Republican Party, Inc. Now, let's talk about Georgia Republican Party, Inc. for just a second. I said that it was incorporated in 2014, and that's what this document does. And all of this is on my Substack. So this is the last, last, uh, well, not holding up there. So this is a certificate of incorporation. If you look at real quiet, real, it says uh, February 7th, 2014. It was actually uh, witnessed and signed by Brian Kemp on February 10th, <clears throat> 2014. So this, there has been a corporation by the name of Georgia Republican Party Inc. ever since that signature ended up on this certificate. <clears throat> but curiously enough, well, let me take you through this first. All right. I said a minute ago that the Georgia Republican Party rules are for a, a it is for, it is both a political organization and a political party. That is the private portion of it and the public portion of it. It is a public-private partnership now. And this is, these are the Articles of Incorporation from 2014. And this says that this, this corporation is a not-for-profit work. Uh, this, is a, uh, th this corporation is exclusively a political organization. So that's the private part that are now in the rules of the Georgia Republican Party. The public party, a part, of course, is the party itself. So that brings us to the, that it's, it's, this was very difficult to wrap my mind around. And I'll, I'll tell you, it took a lot of brain power to just, just concentrate to understand what the heck that these people were doing. But because not only do you have to file, if you're a political party, anytime the party, uh, maybe the personnel at the top of the party changes, then you have to file an amended registration with mm -hmm. the Secretary of State's office. But it, at the same time, annually, you've got to file with the Secretary of State's office if you're a corporation, an LLC, and such as that. So by virtue of, of being elected, uh, chairman, treasurer, and uh, secretary, first secretary of the Georgia Republican Party, then somehow miraculously, jo Josh McCoon, eh, there you see it, Josh McCoon, Lori McLean, and Carolyn Jeffords end up being the CEO, not chairman, the CEO, the CFO, the, uh, and the secretary of this corporation. Now, these entities, it doesn't automatically update. If you become the chairman of the party, then this doesn't just happen. This has to be manually done and it's normally done. I expect they put send in a new registration anytime something changes or you have to do this annually anyway. So you got two different sets of books, but there's, they're claiming that everything is the same thing. So why would they do that? Why would they do that? You know, I go back to the guy who signed it. The guy who signed it. Now, he claims that this is just an ink machine that does it. Okay. 
Well, you can't blame your signature that you've authorized on ink machine. It's either your signature or not. If it's an ink machine, then none of this is valid. If it's, if it's the secretary of state's signature at the time, then it, it, then it's as valid as the law will allow it to be valid. So I go back to uh, some, some kind of cryptic statements that our governor made to his, his first Georgia leadership committee back in February to try to understand a little bit bigger picture of what this is. And that's when he, and I'm going to quote him, he said, we can no longer rely on the traditional party infrastructure to win in the future. Right. That tells me that, that our governor kind of knows something here that's related to what we just went through. So the traditional party infrastructure, of course, that would be the Georgia Democratic Party, and the Georgia Republican Party. So that's traditional. This is highly non-traditional. So uh, whether this is what he meant by that, uh, I don't know because he was being so cryptic. I'm just looking at what he said, and I noticed that what he said kind of matches up with what I'm seeing here. So whether that's an inference on my part or a suspicion on my part, I'm asking questions, really. That's all I'm doing here. So. He was speaking to a group that is also kind of a quasi political party private in that that's called his leadership committee. Now the leadership committee law came into effect in 2021. That was SB 221. And it, it created this, this um, kind of a sub organization called a, 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 um, it's, it's called a leadership committee. So we have uh, George, excuse me, we have our Governor Kemp's leadership committee is one that he has named the Georgia First Leadership Committee. Now, inside of this leadership committee, which is only available to a sitting governor, a sitting uh, lieutenant governor, uh, or candidates for those offices, they can establish these leadership committees. They are allowed to, to raise unlimited funds from anyone and everyone, including out-of-state corporations, out-of-state LLCs, the owners of whom are all uh, unknown, they're all anonymous. So um, so our governor used his, his uh, leadership committee to power his campaign in 2020. Uh, from what I understand, he, he was able to accumulate in the neighborhood of $71 million from this one entity in order to power his campaign. So now, let, me, let me ask one question on that too, because that seems to fly in the face of traditional uh, campaign finance laws. Isn't it normal that there's a heavy level of disclosure and restrictions on where money can come from for most campaigns? And if I understood you correctly, this is unlimited, out-of-state, um, not disclosed? Yes, when I looked at the list of contributors, uh, one of them was $250,000 came from California. Another one was $150,000 from New York. And no data so, on who made the contribution? Yes, yeah, there were names. You can, oh, okay. you can look it up, just go to the Georgia First uh, Leadership Committee it, and they got all that information. But it doesn't have to comply with the normal contribution limits. And it's no. what strikes me interesting is it's only for two um, two uh, positions in Georgia government. Is that right? Right. 
Wow. You can either be the governor or you can be running for governor. One of the one of the balloted uh, 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 positions. Now, the, wh what I mean by that is that, and this is a great distinction that I should have made before. A corporation has no ballot access. A corporation cannot legally, lawfully nominate candidates and demand that they uh, end up on the ballot. Corporations can't do that yet. Yet we have the Georgia Republican Party claiming to be a corporation. You look at Title 14, you're going to find no such authorities that have to do with ballot access and the nomination of candidates for public office. Everything in that regard is in Title 21. It has to do with elections, political parties, how you get on the ballot, what it requires for a political party to, to gain ballot access. All of that's in check in title 21. So there's just, this is, this is so clumsy. It's so clumsy, but it's, it's so obtuse. Um, and it's so unbelievable that anyone first looking at this going, what, what is this? You know, they're, they're probably not going to look at it to the extent that, um, that I and folks who have helped me with this information have, have, uh, have gone into it to fully or more fully understand it. They're just going to say, okay, it's a corporation and going down the road. Well, there's a big distinction there because the corporation is private. And so what we have here is this, this private, this move toward privatization in our governmental election institutions, this, this non-traditional creating non-traditional infrastructure in order to power these election processes. Okay, so that was a uh, that was an ec excerpt of a um, segment that uh, Hank and I did together. Um, by now, you're probably you know listeners are probably going, "Wow, this sounds pretty complex." Let me see if I can crystallize some key parts of this. One is over the past months, and you wrote about this yourself during the convention, Todd. Mm -hmm. It was it's been discovered that there is both um, a Georgia Republican Party and a Georgia Republican Party, Inc. That's not normal in traditional mm -hmm. politics. And it, it causes a lot of questions, some of which we can have now some visibility to, others we can't, uh, we can only guess at for the moment. But it is very concerning because the laws that govern each structure are completely different. And uh, you'll hear you'll hear the terms Title 21 and Title 14. Hank will take us through a lot more of that um, tomorrow night. The um, he appeared with uh, Brian uh, K. Pritchard this morning. Brian was kind enough to agree to allow us to restream that session because I, I found it uh, well uh, well segmented, well uh, structured, and it I think it'll help people understand what we're talking about. But this is yeah. concerning. Um, the ultimate outcome might be might be to have some sort of a change in election law that would allow these corporations to have more say, more control than they are supposed to, and more than they have traditionally had. Why? We'll talk about that as we go through this. So um, please please tune in tomorrow night. We're going to have a special edition of the Georgia Show. Um, we'll do it at 7 p.m. and um, we'll get to hear an hour of Hank go through the detail. In the meantime, highly encourage folks to go to hanksullivan.substack.com 
and you'll be able to read the latest findings. And then actually you can go back and read some of his previous stuff that he's built on to come up with these latest um, theories. I'll call them for the moment that he's working on. But um, is it important? I think you bet it is important. And uh, we need to understand it to make sure that some of these things that could happen do not happen. Essentially, they're trying to, well, it looks like they're trying to pull the power away from the people into the hands of an elite corporate merger. Um, right. So Think about all the things that we have to deal with today when we, we answer to corporations um, and as opposed to people. And the whole point of a political party is to have people be members, um, work through the process, pick their leaders, pick ultimate leaders for the state and so forth. What if that's in some way circumvented by corporate entities? And, you know, some people will say, well, you know, it's just uh, for liability or whatever. And but that may be true to put assets in a corporation to for to avoid, you know, for asset protection. But it is it should be subservient to the political party. And Susan Oprasuth tried to do that at the convention and was rebuffed. What looks like is the party is either being subservient to the corporation or the party is going to be dissolved altogether going forward at some point. So that's what the concern is. Yep. Uh, before we go, there was a rally outside of the United Nations by the Iranian resistance. We had them on last week and uh, it was in New York. Uh, so they had thousands of people show up. We've talked about this group because it really is an example of what could happen if we allow this tyranny to continue. Iran is an oligarchy. Uh, I've written a book on it called The Paying the Price, The Untold Story of the Iranian Resistance. It's available everywhere. You can get signed copies at eltodwood.com or uh, History of Books, where you can, get, you can order directly as well, which is our publishing partner. So please check it out. Make a great Christmas gift. Um, and that's eltodwood.com for a signed copy or any of my novels, actually, or books. Bill, thank you. Um, thank you. Anything else? That's it. Just uh, we're looking forward to uh, to more from Chris, uh, hopefully as early as this weekend. Mm -hmm. And again, we're going to have a special edition tomorrow night and uh, we will keep bringing the truth. So see you tomorrow night and then Sunday at two. Thank you. Thank you.